0: The Athletic. Hello, welcome to 1874, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. I'm The Athletic. I'm Dan Bardell, joined as ever by The Athletics Villa writer Greg Evans, and you can subscribe to The Athletic UK right now for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts, including this one. So just go to theathletic.com slash Villapod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com slash Villapod. Greg, a couple of pieces out from you as well. Recently, let's let's try and reel some people in. First of all, we'll go with what you have done. And then we'll go with what what you've got coming up as well. Let, let's reel people in for this subscription.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, last couple of pieces I've done um, were a look ahead to the next transfer window, um, seeing how big Villa will go in, in the in the window. I, I, you know, I've, I've been told that they're looking at filling two or three positions. You know, with real quality players, players that will come in and straight into the starting lineup. So um, that's a really interesting summer. And the piece that I wrote that was on the back of Esri Konza's uh, contract extension. And it was just basically saying how Villa have done some really good business of late and managed to keep hold of, you know, Conza, Mings, Grealish, McGinn, and, and that they're they're looking to build forward. So, yeah, that was one piece that, that came out a few days ago. And um, even more recently was the, the piece on Tom Heaton. Yeah. So we had a little chat, didn't we, in the last podcast about his contract. Um, can confirm now that he's out of contract at the end of this season. And the story was just about... Uh, what he does next, whether he'll stick around at Villa, Villa want to keep him, or whether he goes and moves for first team football.
0: Villa could perhaps do with qualifying for the Europa League, just have some extra games to try and appease him and keep him happy. Because you think if we had that on the horizon, he might well sign a new contract.
1: I think he possibly would actually. You know, if, if that happened, and um, you know, it's not great to be recognised as the cup goalkeeper, but if you are in the Europa League, you know, and, and do well in the cup competitions, you can stack up a fair amount of appearances. I mean. You know, Emmy Martinez will yeah. will um will certainly say that because his last season at Arsenal um, you know, won an FA Cup, obviously progressed quite far in the Europa League as well, played a lot of games and 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 you know that that sort of helped him, you know, cement himself as a real top quality goalkeeper. So yeah, I mean it'd be interesting to see what happens over the next few months. Villa have managed to keep hold of pretty much every player they've wanted to, um, in recent years, haven't they? So uh, you know, they will be disappointed if he moves on. But I think the fact that you know Martinez, he's going to play every game, isn't he? There's there's absolutely yeah. no need to change that. And yeah, look, as much as Villa want a strong goalkeeping department, it's not majorly that big of a concern if you, if your backup goalkeeper, um, you know, has to be changed this summer.
0: That'd be interesting, but what they do because obviously Jed Steer's sat around doing nothing. Probably the best third choice keeper in the league. You you could probably you could say. I mean, I think of teams like Arsenal, who their third choice goalkeeper is, and I think you've got to say. Steer's very unfortunate to be not in the match day squad week and week, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I I have got a bit of a soft spot for Steer. I think we both have, haven't we? have yeah. you know, from the from the promotion campaign, you know, he's a bit of a court hero almost. And um, you know, very nice lad as well. Well, in fact, you know, all three of them are Emmy, Tom, and, and and Jed, you know, a real good good bunch to work with. Um, and probably, you know, the strongest three in the division, I'd say. You I know, if so. you if you I if you put so. all three of them together, I'd say they're yeah, they are the strongest three and and potentially even the strongest two in 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 Heaton and Martinez, I suppose De Gea and Henderson are, are very strong as well. But um, yeah, you know, Villa want to keep that department strong. So let, let's see. There's, there's probably going to be a bit of movement in, in the months ahead.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens. And the, the concert contract as well, that's, that's great news because he's really had an excellent season. There was a few teams sniffing about him as well. So to get him tied up and that he, that he wants to be there and he wants to progress with Villa coming into his, his his block, not peak years, because he's nowhere near that yet. But do you know what I mean? To have him at this age tied down long-term, that's a big thing for the club.
1: Yeah, it feels like, you know, you forget that he's only sort of 23. It feels like he's been around for quite a while, hasn't he? Because, you know, he's got a lot of games under his belt. I feel like he's probably, he's coming towards the peak of his career now because, you know, he, he started early and, you know, he's, he's had those years, that have, those seasons that have passed now where he's learnt from his mistakes. I thought he was very ropey, to be honest, in in the first half of the Premier League season. But you know, ever since lockdown, he's been fantastic. And and again, we we seem to say this every week with with players. But he's another contender for Player of the Year, isn't he? No, isn't he? You know, those yeah, Conz and Martinez, Target, the three of them have been fantastic. You know, as well as the entire back line. But yeah, good news for Villa that that Conz is here. Uh, we'll stick around for the future. And you know, Tottenham were certainly keen. They they were starting to sniff around and and they were interested. Um, in the last window. So it's a good one for Villa, that.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd look at him and let's say, it'd be a weird one for him to go to Tottenham at the moment because you kind of feel like Villa are on the up. Tottenham, you're not really sure what they're trying to do, what they are at the moment. You could say Tottenham are are going backwards whilst Villa are are moving forward. So although that, obviously, they're a bigger team than Villa at the moment. They've been playing Champions League football for a long time. I don't think they will be next season. But it would be strange to make that move, I
1: would say, for a player at the moment. He's a Tottenham fan as well. I could see it all, you know. I could, I could, I could kind of see that, you know, back to London, Tottenham yeah, fan. Yeah, there is that. Aspect. You know, kind of, I could kind of, it made sense for me. I thought, but, you know, that, that shit, that, that's past now. He's a Villa player for the foreseeable future. And um, let's hope he develops as well as many are predicting him to.
0: Yeah, I think credit to Dean Smith as well. Obviously, he's worked with him at Brentford and now working with him at Villa. I think there's a number of players you can list. The improvement in their game under Dean Smith, there's so, there's so many players now that are in the Villa first team that have improved under his tutelage. Fair play to the club for getting that sorted. And it, and it really is a, a good news week, Greg. It's a, a good news podcast because Villa have won a game. Have scored three goals. I mean, we, we spoke last week about Villa needing to make an impact from the bench a little bit more, and then our, our prayers were answered on, on Sunday as Super Trez and Kane and Davis come up come off the <laughs> yeah. bench. I mean, first off, back end of the season, Trezor guy's back, and that's that's what Villa need, isn't it? Because he, he kept, <laughs> yeah, kept him up last year,
1: and here he is again. Yeah, he's a back end of the season back post player, isn't he? You yeah. know, get it, get him on that back post, and he's dead, look. Um, Yeah, look, I, I quite like Trezeguet you in a way. I, I don't think. I don't think he'll play a big part next season. I think Villa will upgrade in those areas, in the wide areas. I don't see him being a starter next year. Um, but I've got, again, he's another one I've got a little bit of a soft spot for. I, I like his work ethic. Um, I like the fact that he never gives up. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about that, isn't there? If you're not quite as good as, you know, some of your counterparts, but you're still putting in more effort than everyone, you, you can take your game up to a new level. And yeah, I was pleased with him when he got his goals. Uh, I was pleased for Keenan Davis with, with an assist as well. It'd be great if he could get a goal at some point because that would really boost his confidence. But yeah, for once, you know, we're actually talking about Villa, one, going behind and winning a game and two, changing the game from the bench. I, I actually messaged our, our stats guy, Tom Tom Warville, during the game and said, we did a story the day before the game, just basically highlighting all the impact or the, yeah, the lack of impact that that some substitutes have had for for various teams. And I said, "You better get changing the the Villa graphic as quickly as you can, mate, because <laughs> we've just had a big impact down here at Villa Park." So, yeah, it was good. I, I thought Villa were poor, to be honest, for seventy minutes. And and when Bullham took the lead, I honestly couldn't see a way back. I thought, you know, this is becoming a really a real big worry. Um, you know, the, the the winless runs continuing. The, the next fixtures coming up look really daunting, but somehow they went and got it done and fair play to them. You know, it just shows the character of the team. That there are a lot of battlers and fighters in that team and they got the job done. It's really important because, as I say, the, the, the list that's coming up, some tough games, isn't it, mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying it was a good day and this is a
0: good news podcast, but Sunday, you got off to a... A bad start when we found out that Jack Grealish wasn't going to be playing after, I think I said on the, on the podcast, oh, the club wouldn't be bigging him up all week if he, if he wasn't going to play because he obviously was was in all the all the social media stuff. But then unfortunately, after the press conference, when we found out he was going to play, they've had their final training session and and he's pulled up yeah. a lot to probably digest with this. But but first off, I know you've been doing some stuff with, with David Ornstein on The Athletic. What, what's going on with the injury?
1: Yeah, well, it's the same injury, you know. It's uh, he's missed seven games now. That, that he we, we first reported when the injury was first sustained that he would be out to between four and five weeks. It was up to six weeks before the Fulham game. You know, he trained in the week. He was expected to play against Fulham. Dean Smith said on you know the couple of days before that he's been training, he's ready. It's great to have him back. And then he pulled up again early in early in the last training session on the Saturday. You know, he, he felt a pain in his leg, and you know, I think Villa were. We're keen to get him out there, but they you know, obviously clearly have to listen to to what he's saying. And if if Jack Grealish is saying that he's he's got problems or he's got a pain, it's it's a bit of a worry because he's a player more than any of them who wants to get out there and play. So um we don't know how long he's gonna be out for now, unfortunately. You know, the the timescale has not been put on that or haven't got any information on that now. It's just a case of waiting to see how long he's he's gonna be out for. But it's a blow to Villa because they're not the same without him. Um, and the games coming up are going to be tough, you know, without him. And it's a bit of a worry for England as well, because, I that, yeah. you know, as, as we've seen over the years, trying to squeeze players in a, in a half fit or three quarters fit, it hasn't worked for England in, in years gone by. I mean, I very much back Jack Grealish to go and do it, even if he hasn't had a run of games. I think he's he's capable of doing it, but Agreed. he will certainly want to have a you know, run of games and, and a bit of rhythm. Yeah, he'll need to get back, will Because, I mean, he wants this England gig this summer
0: more, more than anything, I think, from, from what we know. He, he, he's got everything, his heart set on playing for England in the summer and really making an impact on, on the world stage. Because there's so many players for Southgate to pick from as well. I think that if he's fit, Grealish is in. I think there's no doubt about that. But the fitness thing will
1: now be playing a little doubt in the back of his mind, I imagine. Yeah, I think he'll still back himself. But I think, you know, he'll certainly want, as I say, those, that run of games. He, he likes to have the rhythm and he believes that he's a better player when he's got that rhythm and, you know, a few games behind him. So uh, he, he his audition went great, didn't it, against Belgium? You know, the fact that, that was Ke- he ticked a lot of boxes in that game. The fact that he played really well, he was man of the match. He did it against high-level opposition. Southgate will know now that he can trust him in a really big game and that he can turn it on. It's just getting that level of, um, you know, of consistency, you know, a run of games where he's playing really well and can just fit straight back in. You know, he doesn't want to be going into a game with a little bit of pressure on him, thinking, yeah, am, am I am I quite right? Am I 100? percent But we'll just have to wait and see in the weeks ahead. The seven weeks of the season left, so it's not very long, but obviously a couple of months still to the Euros. Yeah, you just hope
0: he'll be, he'll be coming back as soon as possible, both for for Villa's chances of having a good end to the season and and for him personally, because as I say. I know how much he wants to get in that Euro squad. I know you've already done a podcast, on it Greg? And people should go and check that out with uh, with David Ornstein. But what did you make of a lot? Of, there's a massive overreaction to this on social media. The, the fans calling, the, the, the club lawyers calling Dean Smith a liar. I mean, it's a bizarre take for me. I mean, Grealish was clearly going to play. He was clearly fit. Something's happened after the press conference. He then can't play. He's injured. It, it's simple as that, but there was a real over overreaction and all kinds
1: of accusations flying around. What did you make of all that? Yeah, it's difficult. You know, I can understand fans' frustrations. They want to know. They they just want to know. They want a bit of clarity, don't they? I think where maybe Villa missed a trick at the, when he first got injured, was he probably just needed Dean Smith to come out and say, "Look, he's out for two months. He's out for a month or whatever," and then you know Villa fans kind of know when when they're expected him to be coming back, but it, they never put a timescale on it. So every week the questions were getting asked. You know, is Jack Grealish back yet? The fans want to know whether he's back. So and it, and it's you know if this was Courtney Hawes, nobody's ever mentioned Courtney Hawes's injury have that You know, no disrespect to to any other Villa player, but. It's Jack Grealish. It's the start, man. Everybody wants to know about him, so it becomes a massive story. Um, the last week or so, is just—it's just purely coincidental, you know. It's the fact that um I'm not sure what supporters want to want people to say. He trained all week. He was ready for there. the game, and then he pulled up injured with the same injury. Yeah, I mean, that's the story. I, I don't know what else, where else to go. You know, that—that's what it is. It is what it is. I'd say the club's got
0: no need to say it. anything about injuries. They don't have to say anything. There's no probably no club that relies so heavily on on one player in the Premier League going forwards as Villa do with Jack Grealish. Why would you let opposition know that, that he's not going to be playing?
2: Well, the, yeah, hear, I mean, of guessing? course, and, you look, know, what, does and that, look what's that, happened.
0: That, they have announced it. And he's, and he's got injured, so they've got, they've got, they can't get that right either. It's like, I, I understand why the club don't say anything. I don't think the fans have got any right to know how long Jack Reddish is going to be out for, to be honest. And there was some people who I would expect to know better tweeting all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah, look, it's, 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 it's obviously, it's frustrating for the supporters. I can understand that. They want to know more. But, yeah, you know, from a, from a purely from a club's perspective, you know, from Dean Smith, he wants the best for his team. He wants to get, you know, the 1% advantage over his opponents. And if you remember back to the Leicester game where, you know, it wasn't announced up until you know, very late in, in the Sunday afternoon. Um, Leicester actually started with two fullbacks to, 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 to mark, Grealish, you know. And, OK, the game didn't go to plan for Villa anyway. But, you know, that that affected their preparation slightly. So, those extra percentages that, that smith will be looking for happen wide and afar and and, and not 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 letting opposition when certain players are injured is just one of them so um yeah it, it, as frustrating as it is for supporters sometimes they just have to realize that maybe that de- you know the manager is doing what's best for the club yeah i mean i completely back the club on this one i get the frustration because he is so
0: important and let's face it we've not been very good without him but i don't think the club have got any need to to divulge how long he's going to be out for. He's back back when he's back, hopefully sooner rather than later.
2: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
0: Matt C. asks, obviously we've started asking for questions. Now it's good to have the engagement with the audience. He says, have we seen the advantage of giving teams something different to think about? Should we be doing this at the start of games as we've come quite predictable? So going back to the the substitutions, it was good to see the change of shape. Again, I think we spoke about this last week. He chucked Davies on. We went went 4-4 to him. it did disrupt Fulham and he disrupted Fulham. Trezeguet at the back stick, we know he can finish instinctively there. It was good to change it up and that is what won us the game. So you look back at some of the other games now that have been tight, Mm. you kind of wish we'd done that a little bit earlier.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I think um, you know supporters often pull Paul Smith up on, on not making changes quick enough. That seems to be the one major criticism um, of his style. Don't necessarily agree with that all of the time. I think yeah, there are games this season where he could have made changes earlier, but also uh, you know I back him to, to continue. You know, with some of the things that he has done, I don't think there was a change at Southampton until very late on, and, and, and they went and held held on to the. The win, for example, you know, but yeah, that's that just was one game. Was right, was um, many, many, different examples that you could that you could pull up, obviously. But yeah, I think it worked, didn't it, against Fulham? Um, I thought that Fulham's main weakness was going to be their two centre halves. I think that adarabayo and and um, uh, oh, I forgot his Anderson. name, uh, Anderson. Yeah, adarabayo and a- Anderson. Um, I think they can try and overplay it a little bit too much sometimes. And I've, I've seen them get caught by other teams. And I think that's what Villa tried to, tried to pounce on early in the game. They were pressing very, very, very quickly and very high um, and trying to force them into mistakes. Uh, but it didn't work early on. Fulham were, Fulham were quite good and managed to play their way out of it. But when Davies came on, he just showed a little bit of, he just gives something different. You know, it was his brute force, the fact that, He's just so difficult to play against. And if you're going in a 50-50 with a shoulder barge with him, you're going to lose. And, you know, he just brushed, I think, it was it Anderson? It, well, no, it was Adderabayo, wasn't it? He brushed yeah, yeah. Adderabayo off the ball and 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 then went and set up the, the equaliser, which was a great goal and very important. So, yeah, good good to see changes working. And and let's hope that Villa can utilise their squad a little bit more going forward. Yeah, because we've gone 1-0 down. And unfortunately, a
0: man we wax lyrical about week after week on this podcast toro Mings has, has made an error it's a terrible error there's, there's no dressing it up he'll say himself absolutely catastrophic to, to do what he did he atoned for it didn't he he got the assist for the for the first goal that was that was good to see him bounce back strong strong
1: character strong mentality and that, that's what tyro Mings is yeah, certainly. Do so, no, you know I haven't watched that back actually from the, the goal that I haven't watched that mistake back, and and I, I really should have actually, and I'm going to after this podcast ends. But um, I think in the build up to that play, there was a there was another misplaced pass. I think It was, well, all was just it Sanson? I think it was it was around about on the halfway line. Yeah, you know, I really should have looked at that in advance of this this podcast. But I, I'm pretty sure. There was, there was a bit of a, a mix-up on the halfway along. So I tweeted out, you know, during during the game, a defensive mix-up and then obviously Mings um, with his error. And there were, there were a lot of fans tweeting me back in response saying it wasn't a defensive mix-up, it was just a full-blown Tyro Mings error. But the point I was trying to make was that the build-up to the actual mistake was was poor from Villa as well. Yes, yeah, Tyro Mings made a mistake. Um and, and you know, he's the first to admit it, isn't he? He comes on Twitter after and sort of holds his hands up, which is, um, you know, great, great from him. And and uh, quite unique, isn't it? Because you don't really sort of see footballers, you know, opening up and, and admitting their mistakes. But his reaction is to mistakes, he, he, you know, is unbelievable. I, I absolutely love his style. I, I love his a... wholeheartedness. I love the fact that he can shake off a mistake and then go and make a difference at the other end. And, you know, we saw him up there as a left-back that we don't usually see very often. <laughs> now he's a centre-half, but set up the goal, didn't he, for, for Trezeguet, very important. Um, and, you know, obviously being at the game, I, I can see the influence that he has on that team, the way he's guiding them. He's always so positive. He's, he's an encourager. He's not a, he's not somebody who rants and raves and, and criticises players. He encourages them with positive words all the time. Um, and... Uh, 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 I saw him sort of getting onto Ollie Ali Watkins' back a little bit, but it was it was kind of like, it was words of advice almost. It was telling him, don't make that run down the middle, just pull off your man a little bit and go down the flank. And, um, you know, Ollie Ali sort of took that in his stride then. And I, I really like him. I know that some Villa fans are, are starting to feel that he's becoming a little bit of a liability by giving away goals like that. I mean, you know, What's happened a couple of times this season, which, in the grand scheme of things, isn't that big of a deal for me, really, because um, of all the good work that he's done. But I back him. I think he's a really important part of the team, um, and, I, and I think Villa wouldn't be the same without him. No, I think he's good, far outweighs
0: any bad traits he has. I think fans just look at Konza and say, well, he doesn't do that. Mm. But they're playing the game very differently. They're, they're a partnership, but they both do different things as, as centre-halves. Mings is the one that's told to play out from the back. So I don't think you can compare Konza not making those kind of mistakes because that's not what he's asked to do. Mings is following instructions. It's a, it's a catastrophic error, as I say. It's an, it's an absolute disaster. But thankfully, it hasn't cost us. I do think, though, just on a side note, Martinez rushing out didn't actually help. I think that made up Mitrovic's mind and actually made it an easier chance. I think if uh, Martinez had held his ground a little bit, Mitrovic would have had a decision to make of just to get a shot away and wouldn't necessarily have scored. But that's by the by. Anyway, bad, bad but that's
1: the but Yeah, I mean, just to butt in, Dan, that's what I was mentioning also with you know, the, the words that I use, the mix-up in defence. I just thought it was all, yeah, everybody looks at Tyrone Mings making that pass, but... It was a catalogue of errors, really. Like yeah, it, was it was three uncomfortable. or four. You know, it was just not good. No, it was uncomfortable yeah. watching. Yeah, wasn't it was an it? uncomfortable passage of play. Yeah, yeah, and around. and and that's what you know led to the goal. Effect, you know, essentially. So, yeah. But Villa recovered. That's the most important thing. Yeah, <clears> the same as
0: you. I, I love Tiroming. He's my he's my favourite player. at The club, to be honest, I just I like him as a footballer, but I like him as a man as well. He's not just a generic footballer that comes out and gives the same old soundbites. He's very honest. I find him very refreshing and I, I like the way he's come up through his career and made something of himself. I mean, he tweeted yesterday that he made 150 league appearances, was it? He? And he's saying usually mm. a 21-year-old gets <laughs> to 150, he's 28, and he, he's coming out there. I just, I just really, really respect him. I, I like everything he stands for. I think he's an excellent, excellent human being. and He's a great defender. And like you say... Villa are, Villa are nowhere without Tyler Remings coming into the club. He's made such a big impact. And I think, yes, he might make the odd mistake, but the good far outweighs the bad. Someone else who's been getting questioned a little bit recently, and Michael Cotton's asked us about this. He's saying, should McGinn be used higher of the pitch? Now, this is this is a great question for you because you were at the game, so you'll have been able to see the, the impact fully. I thought for the first 20 minutes, he looked really useful. I, I liked it. That was probably the only thing I actually liked from Villa's display in the mm-hmm. first half was McGinn as a number 10. But then it kind of petered down to be fair to him. As the game went on, I think he ended up being our furthest back midfielder, our defensive midfielder yeah. by the time the game ended. So he's he's played all kinds of roles through that game. What did you make of it at the game?
1: Yeah, he was all over the place, wasn't he? Again, you know, in a good way, I think, you know, not not sort of didn't know what he was doing type thing. But um the first 20 minutes he was he showed incredible energy levels. Um, and I thought coming off the back of three games with Scotland, you know, that, that's very impressive. Um, I think he just tired towards the end, like, you know, some of the others did as well, you know, some of the other internationals. Um, it would have been hard, you know, for him to maintain those levels because of what he'd just done with Scotland and and being such a big part of that Scotland team. And I think what you've got to remember with Scotland as well is it's not necessarily like England, whereas, you know, England, we're expected to go and win most games and and they're comfortable games, aren't they, at times? With Scotland, they have to really battle for every for every point, for every you know, win or whatever that, that they're trying to get. And John McGinn's obviously a real important part of that that team. So to come back to Villa and then almost be asked to be the star man as well in in Jack Grealish's absence is is a lot on his shoulders. And I thought for the first twenty minutes he tried everything, didn't he? he was Tackling and 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 driving forward on lots of different occasions and and trying to get shots off and he just looked really energetic and enthusiastic and then I liked him in that position I liked him further up good on the press yeah yeah and just sort of sets the tone a little bit uh, for the other midfielders and the other the other wide players but. He just died out of the game, I thought, and I thought he just looked a little bit tired towards the end. And yeah, you couldn't really tell where he was playing at towards the end because he was, as I say, yeah, all over the place, def- defensive midfielder by, by the end of the game. Yeah,
0: he it's was, wasn't great. he? Almost, yeah. Because we were four we were four two, and I think Ramsey Ramsey had obviously come up come on at that point. I, I thought he did very well actually when he came on. I quite like him in, in a deeper role. Oakley Oakley said that he he likes the look of Ramsey as a deep lying midfielder. I got to be honest, I think I I prefer it, prefer him there when I've seen him play deeper. I think he has more of an impact on the game, but Ramza, yeah,
1: yeah, I, I don't think he's necessarily used to that. I think that's more his brother's style, actually, more of a more of a deeper um, midfielder, Aaron. But I think Jacob has been used to being that number ten attacking midfielder for the under twenty three. He's getting goals regular, um, so you know he's, he's he's just developing his game, isn't he? It's it's finding where he's best suited and. Um, where he affects the game best. And I, I still don't think we really know what what type of, you know, whether he's a six, and eight, or ten. Don't think we really know him yet. Um I think I think it's quite important for him actually to start establishing what what he actually is because um, you know, if you if you become that versatile type player, okay, look, it's only a midfield position and you know it's real fine margins in, in the differences. But if you become a little bit too versatile, that can often go against you, can't it? Whereas, if you know you're the number ten, or the one of the two number eights, then you've got more of a chance of um, of working on your game in that area. Then,
0: yeah, you don't want to turn into Ricardo Skameka, you know, <laughs> No, younger That guy, that guy was playing up front at, at times when we had no strikers. Emergency <laughs> target man, man up front. He he never fully established himself because he literally played in every position for the club. I think ex- except for left back. So yeah. Really like Ricardo Scameka on the side no I wrote him a letter when I was a kid and he sent me his autograph for the <laughs> yeah. I just, just remembered. Yeah. What did he he's say? England? <laughs> he's England under 21's captain. I, was like, I, can't, I couldn't tell you for the life of me what he said, but I do remember my dad saying to me, Well, make sure you keep that letter and autograph, because he's England <laughs> under 21's captain. He's going to go on and play for his country full-time, play for England, England at the uh, the men's stage. But he, he never did.
1: No. That was no. wrong. I had a, had a decent career, but just probably yeah. not as not as high as he expected in the end.
0: No, no. Let's talk about. Liverpool then, Greg. Liverpool up next. Three o'clock Saturday kickoff, which is, I think it might even be the first time we've had a Saturday three o'clock all season. I don't remember (laughs) any others. It feels weird that we're going to Anfield, which is a big game, and that's the time that we play at three o'clock on a Saturday. But it'd be nice to settle down at three o'clock at home and, and watch that. Liverpool struggling at Anfield in general. They got humbled last night by Real Madrid and looked a little bit all over the place. So three points to Liverpool on Saturday, Greg.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought that last time, and uh, Villa obviously went and won 7 2. So, uh, yeah, look, you know, I think, I think they're there for the taking almost. I think they're still a brilliant side with incredible attacking qualities. Um, but defensively, they're just not right, are they? You know, what kids can get, those two centre backs? Yeah. And look, you know, Alexander Arnold, he's just not the same at the moment. It's just not not going very well for him. Watched him last night, and it was, you know, his error, his, his header across the box that. Um, Asensio was it I think latched onto and, and got the second goal for Al. So they're just they're just not right at the back, are they? Um, and Villa will Villa will be hoping to pounce on that. I think they've got a lot still going forward, but Villa will bat themselves to keep it quite tight defensively. Um, so yeah, it'd be an interesting game because. That that European loss would have affected them quite badly, um, and 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 you know they, they it was almost like they turned the corner, wasn't it? Against Arsenal, they were brilliant against Arsenal. Yeah, really good. They're you know, really good going forward, quite tight at the back, um, but then the, you know the same problems were exposed against Real. So I feel sorry for them in a way, I really do, because you know I quite like Liverpool. I know, I know some supporters don't, don't, some Villa fans don't, but I quite like Liverpool. I think that it's been. You know, it's a shame, really, for the supporters the fact that they they won the league and didn't really get to celebrate. And you know, they've been they've been terrible champions, haven't they, this year? Let's be honest, they've really been terrible does. champions. And I just feel it's a, it's tougher, really, for the fans because they would have, you know, they would have really got behind them and made a difference at Anfield, I think, and made them better champions than they are. But they've been awful champions, I'm afraid. And um, Villa will hope hope to punish them. Yeah, it would have been nice if the Champions League game was a, a
0: little bit more in the balance. I know they've still got, don't get me wrong, they've still got a chance that away goals that Salah scored is, is absolutely crucial. But you want them to kind of be a bit more focused on that game going into Saturday. But now they'll probably look mm. at it and say there's more chance of finishing in the top four via the league because it's very, very tight up there. So mm. I think we could have done with it being a little closer, maybe catch my drift.
1: Yeah, kind of. Th- Do you know, I still think they have I still think they'll themselves to go and get the job done at Anfield. No they've had a
0: crowd, you'd be like, well, they came back they've done it before bar, so many so times. So yeah. yeah, yeah. No yeah. crowd, no crowd plays a massive part for them, I think.
1: does make a big difference. At a, an empty Anfield takes the edge off it massively. That's why you've seen so many teams go there in recent weeks and win. You know, Burnley won there, didn't they? Bullham won there. You know, yeah, that, yeah. these that doesn't really usually happen in a normal season, let alone against the Champions. No, I know, and the man
0: to watch though is going to be Jota, isn't it? He's on on flames, as the kids would say, at the moment. Absolutely doing bits for Liverpool, Greg.
1: <laughs> Any other uh, youthful terms you want to throw on, in there? On on flake, <laughs> on fleek no, That's my last one. That's all I've got. <laughs> okay, mate. Well, I'll, I'll I'll let you stick with them. I'm way too old for that now. You won't be putting them in your articles. Those phrases, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> Jota's playing well. I like watching him. He's a great player. Salah's doing all right as well. His knee still sticky consistently getting goals. So it's going to be a test for Villa. I think you know the midf- Liverpool's midfield and attacker are, are, are exceptional. So um, you know they can't just they can't just watch one player. They've got to they've got to focus on them all.
0: Do you think there's any chance of Villa throwing caution to the wind and playing Davis and Watkins as a two after the way the game ended and just thinking we can get at them centre-backs and cause them problems?
1: No, I just, uh, as I say, I, I would like to see that. You know, I've I've, I've, um, I've called for Davis Watkins to, to wide get a left. go. I, I just, I don't, I don't think Dean Smith will use it. I think he'll stick to his sort of favoured 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 um, and go from there. I, I, I don't see him starting with two strikers. Be interesting.
0: I, I think there's a, more chance than there's ever been. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there's definitely more chance than there's ever been after the after the game ended. Wouldn't surprise me to see Keenan as the lone striker and Watkins on the left just for a game. Give Liverpool something to think about. Watkins in that up in that channel against Alexander Arnold and then Davis up against their defense. I think I really think that would cause problems. So it'd be interesting
1: to see. It do. sounds appealing, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, it's like I think it's get something Deans, we so would both like to see. I get just don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll speak it to <laughs> it's I just don't think he. I just can't see him playing it. But you know, it's certainly something that sounds quite appealing.
0: Yeah, I could see by your face as I was describing it, you were you were like, Yeah, this guy knows football, this guy knows what he's <laughs> saying, this guy <laughs> knows tactics. We should mm. I, honestly I really think that's the that's the passage to win the game, that's the avenue we should go. But oh, I was the same as you I think it's probably
2: unlikely.
0: Next up, Greg, the top three, and we're going to stay on, on topic this week. On trend, we're going to go with the top three super subs. I came up with this topic because, as I say, I thought it was, it was on point after what's happened at the weekend against Fulham. And then I thought, I'm not really sure where, where I'll go with this. I, <laughs> have managed start. To go, yeah, I have managed to come up with three. So it's a bit of, bit of a mishmash. It's a bit all over the place, so bear with me. But the number three, I've gone for Julian Joachim he used to oh, come yeah, off the bench yeah. all the time. It's he didn't used to, he used to score loads, yeah. but he used, to, he used to come on and get the odd goal off the, off the bench, Julian Joachim. His, his pace used to cause him all kinds of course teams trouble late on in game. So I've gone with him at number three. My, my overriding memory of Joachim is just the amount of lost causes the poor guy had to chase. Of his time at Villa, there were some terrible balls just pumped down the channel and he used to have to just run it and invariably he wouldn't get there, but he just burst, burn out all his energy chasing. He worked hard, mm. Joachim. So he's a, he was a good option off the bench. Second In a similar vein I've gone for Darius Vassel mm-hmm. I don't know whether you remember Because obviously You were a little bit younger than me Came on in a European tie Once for his debut against Strom Godset Yeah, yeah. He scored two late goals Villa were losing 2-0 To Strom Godset at home Gary Charles scored And then Vassel scored two In stoppage time On his debut In a European night At Villa Park So I've gone for him For number two Number one Main man cult hero Still want to get him On this podcast Marlon Harewood.
1: <laughs> Oh what can he, no! What can he, <laughs> I thought we'd gone at least a week without mentioning Marlon. This is this is this is, <laughs> this is this is him. The guy scored five
0: goals in the Premier League, Greg, in the season. He only started one game. So right, let me just inter, let me and, just
1: intervene here for, for for the listeners who don't know Dan Bardell. And I know that's not many because Dan Bardell is now now just a, now a brand rather I than knew an actual you person. Were say that. Um, what a clown! Dan has a, a crazy, weird affection with Marlon yeah. Hayward,
0: because he used to come on and score goal, he came on and scored an overhead kick at Anfield we could do without bringing him on on Saturday come on and get and get the overhead kick he came on and scored a winner against Reading he just used to come on and score goals and he used to G up the crowd and a special player can go into the corner flag and kick the board in the corner in an hour he did that at the Emirates once as well Villa were winning 1-0 Marlon went and kept the board in the corner after after an hour there's a special kind of substitute that is isn't it he only started one game and we lost I think we lost 4 or 5 nil. To Manuel Old Trafford, the only start that he had in the league that season. What a player off the bench!
1: You're not having so it you know. Do you know what? I'm going to make it my mission to get in touch with Marlon this week, and I'm going to guys. And I'm going to I'm going to get him on. I'm going to get him on this podcast. I might even on, just leave the two of you two in a room, although that might oh. be a bit dangerous for you. No, we well, we are. We've actually got a podcast
0: coming up next week, haven't we? We're interviewing a uh, an ex-Villa striker, aren't we? But we'll be yeah, leaving, very very leaving excited for that one. We'll leave the viewers guessing who he is. I'm looking forward to that as well. It's been a while, to be fair, since we've we've actually sat down and, and interviewed some, someone properly and done a podcast with the next player. So that will be a, a good one to look out for. We're recording mm. that next week. No idea yeah, when be it'll good. be out, but we will we're recording next week. We're going to finish, Greg, with the man who seems to be making his own segment in this podcast now after last week. Mr. Jack Miller, one of our I well, might be a subscriber. I'm not sure if he's a subscriber, but he's a loyal listener. Of the podcast, he's gone with the with the movies theme again after the the Hunger Games debacle last week. Greg, he says, if two Villa
1: players had to team please up say to... I know this film, <laughs> well, or or episode, or series, or whatever it is,
0: I'd have thought you would know it. He says, if two Villa players had to team up to rival Maverick and Goose in Top Gun, who would they be, and in what role? Now I've got a problem with this question because <laughs> I hate to admit it, I've not seen Top Gun. I know Maverick <laughs> and Goose are. It's the role. It's the role aspect of the question that's confusing me. What does he mean? In what role? What does that mean? Uh,
1: uh, the Maverick and Goose. Oh, I've watched Top Gun, but it was when I was very young. It, I've never it, seen it. Tom to Cruise isn't it? Tom Cruise isn't it? A yeah, courtier and don't know the other guy, but Maverick and Goose. Though, I think they were they were quite close pals, and they were almost like, um, oh, like, like one was a fathery type figure, and the other one was you know a little bit of a. Oh. a come on, yes. producer, producer, explain, explain it. it to us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. okay. Oh, okay. Right. What, what I think, think I've back? got a good answer to this one. There. Okay. I was. I was initially leaning towards Grealish and McGinn. Yeah, but but it, but, it, but that doesn't sound like it would fit the uh, role. So I've right. got the perfect combination. I think Trezeguet and Elmer. Oh, it's it's niche. Elmo is the one who looks after Trezeguet when he's in his time of need, and Trezeguet gives Elmo the spark of life that he needs in his later years. Wow, that is a, a cultured answer. I would say I'm not even going to answer it because <laughs> off the cuff that one as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it is worth saying. The producer did have to explain to us the roles of, of Maverick and Goose in our, in our ears before we answered the question properly, as we were floundering around as he said. But yeah, we'll go with we'll go with Greg's answer. And Jack, if you could stop asking his questions, please. <laughs> that, that'd be excellent. I'm a disgrace for not seeing Top Gun. That That is a disgrace. You know, I watched Star Wars for the first time ever last night. And I don't to, um, to say, no, I didn't, not get, it. Not I didn't me,
2: get
0: it. not for me, sorry. No, I, I, did, I, I tried it. And I will give them all a chance and watch them all. But yeah, I've seen a lot of films, but I don't seem to have seen films that, that you should have seen. So I'm going to make that my mission. And yeah, Jack, please avoid the film trivia
1: next week, if possible. Funny you should say that, Dan, actually, because that's what I was thinking the other day. I'm going to start watching films that are a little, that, you know, I should have watched. You know, yeah. the films that just like everybody talks about, but oh, I, I haven't watched that one. Topkin's yeah. got to be one of them. Although I have watched it, I just can't really remember much about it. Yeah, fair play. Unless you have seen it. At least you can cross it off your
0: list. Yep, we'll be back next week with another episode of 1874. As I say, hopefully with no film knowledge needed at all thanks ever so much to greg i've enjoyed chatting with you really enjoyed doing the podcast with you as always and thanks to everyone for listening and getting involved on social media as well it's giving it a little bit of a new angle a new feel getting the the listeners involved so we'll keep that up in weeks to come here's the three points for villa on saturday at hanfield at 3 p.m don't forget up the villa
2: Athletic.